Good morning, everyone with us here today, and good morning online. So glad you've made a choice to be here and join us in praise and worship and uh, hearing of the Word of the Lord. Very, very excited about what God's doing right now and looking forward to sharing some of that with you. Um, if you have your Bibles, we are going to go to Romans, the 10th chapter. The last time I got to speak to you, I had referenced at the end that we were going to go to Romans, the 10th chapter. And we've been talking about the righteousness of God. And in talking about the righteousness of God, you'll also talk about things that are unrighteous. And the book of Romans, I, I just love every book in the Bible. But have you ever caught yourself being attracted to a certain uh, book, a certain chapter, a certain verse? And uh, that's where I am right now with the book of Romans and, and Isaiah. But in the book of Romans, uh, the first, well, the whole book talks about the righteousness of God. Paul starts off in chapter 1 and verse 17. It says that the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. And he goes in to talk about how there's no difference between the Jew or the Gentile, between circumcised and uncircumcised, um, but they're all rich in faith towards God. But if you are under the law, because he talks a lot about the law and then the opposite uh, grace and faith, uh, if you're under the law, then you are outside of the righteousness of God. There is a righteousness that comes by the law, but no man is going to be justified by the law. So Paul spends his time, I know at least in the first 10 chapters, showing you that there's no difference between Jew or Gentile, that, the God, that God is rich in faith to both, but you are no longer under the law. We are saved by grace through faith. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So we're going to get into to some of that here today. And if you remember the last time I spoke with you, I asked you a question. And that is in Romans the 10th chapter in the third verse, um, Paul said that Israel would not submit themselves under the righteousness of God because they were ignorant to the righteousness of God. Now, if you were to talk to who Paul's talking about, Israel, or a Jew in those days, they would tell you plainly, we believe in God. God's our Father. We pattern our whole life after the law of God, after the law of Moses. And we even believe in Christ. We believe there's a Messiah. But what we don't believe is that Jesus is that Christ. And that Jesus is that Messiah. Their religion is what is called Judaism. And, and it's practiced today. One of the um, biggest religions in the world. There's three different parts or sects of Judaism. With the strictest one being uh, Orthodox Judaism. And so if you are practicing Judaism and you really believe um, what you are practicing, you will believe Genesis to Malachi. You'll believe the Old Testament, but you will eliminate the whole New Testament. Why? Because they do not believe that Jesus is the Christ. They do not believe that he is the Messiah. They're looking for another. And in doing so, they are ignorant of the righteousness of God. When you're ignorant of the righteousness of God, you cannot submit yourself to the righteousness of God. And so we're going to talk about some of those things with you here today. Does that sound okay? Before we go to Romans 10, though, I'd like to read one verse in Isaiah 45 and 19. Isaiah 
the 45th chapter and the 19th verse, the prophet says, I have not spoken in secret in a dark place of the earth. I said not unto the seed of Jacob, seek ye me in vain. I, the Lord, speak righteousness. I declare things that are right. Now, look at that very closely. If you are righteous, you're going to speak things that are right. Are you with me? To say that Jesus is not the Christ is not right. Therefore, you are not righteous. You see the simplicity of that? God's righteousness declares that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. You look at everyone that would make the confession that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. When Peter said it, was he blessed? Jesus told him he was blessed. That the gates of hell would not prevail against him. Uh, That upon this rock he would build his church. He gave him the keys to the kingdom. So there's some major things that come with that. The uh, Samaritan woman at the well first confessed Jesus shouldn't be talking to her. Then she confessed he was a prophet. I perceive that thou art a prophet. But at the end, what was her confession? The same as Peter. Thou art the son. Thou art the Christ. Thou art the son of the living God. And hopefully that's your confession here today. Now we're going to do this in different levels from a physical sense. When I, when I say that, understanding Jesus and understanding what he's done for us. In a physical sense, we say that Jesus was a man born over 2,000 years ago that lived 33 and a half years, um, was crucified, buried, and three days later he rose from the dead. That's good, isn't it? And I understand the confession of the physical realm, why we do that. But does it go farther? And the reason I'm saying this is, in your consciousness, do you just know Jesus as a man? Or like in John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made by Him, and for Him, without Him, was nothing made that was made. Is there a step up from just thinking about Jesus as a physical man? Absolutely. And we're going to talk about those things today. Because He's more than just a man. And when you talk about as a man, you can perceive Him as a physical man, you can perceive in the, in the earth as a terrestrial man with a fleshly body, and he did have a, a fleshly body in the terrestrial realm. Or you could even see him as a celestial man. Would the appearance of those possibly be a little different? Absolutely, absolutely. You remember after his resurrection, who did he appear to and they thought he was the gardener? Mary? And, and when he spoke, she's like, Rabboni. That be, being interpreted as master. So at first she didn't recognize him. The two walking on the road to uh, Emmaus didn't recognize him. But when he broke bread and he spoke the scriptures to them, their eyes were enlightened, their eyes were opened, and they're like, oh, did not our hearts burn when we walked with him, when we talked with him? So there is an opening of the eyes. There is a change of conscience and a perception. I think everybody in this room, your perception of Jesus has changed from the first time you've seen him. And when I say changed, let's put it this way. It has been enhanced. It has become greater. Because we can say that Jesus Christ was a man that gave his life over 2,000 years ago, and that's all I want to believe. Or like you could be an Orthodox Jew 
and say, I don't even believe that. I, I don't believe he's the one. I'm looking for another. We're going to cover this in Romans, the 10th chapter. It's really cool. Or you can believe farther and believe, like I said, John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So how would I see Jesus differently? How many different ways does the Bible describe Jesus? Many. Do you know one of the very first ways that God told um, Moses to identify himself to Pharaoh? He said, who should I say sent me? Tell him I am. Hmm? Tell him I am sent me. Well, interesting enough, when Jesus is having a conversation with the Pharisees and they're there to accuse him, and they didn't believe in him. They were ignorant of the righteousness of God. And I'll just say this to you plainly. Jesus is the righteousness of God. He is the end of the law. We will read these things. And you know what else he is we'll read, or at least maybe you have Walker read it, and you can look it up now, Walker, in Romans, the fifth chapter, it calls Jesus the righteousness of God, but it says he's a free gift. That's very important. The, the free gift or the gift of righteousness. Now, this is what's important about a gift. If it's a free gift, then you don't have to do anything to receive it, do you? One thing, what would you have to do? You have to believe it's yours. You have to believe summer that the person that's giving it is giving it to you summer or to you jennifer or to you dathan you have to believe that's my gift it's not like going to our uh what is it a white elephant or gift exchange where i'm going to take a gift you're going to take a gift no you don't do that this is a free gift you can't earn it there's no expectations of giving it back or paying for it or getting another gift in exchange for this gift it's a free gift that's very important in understanding the righteousness of God. You don't per se, God says you deserve it or he wouldn't give it to you, but you didn't per se earn it. You know, we go to work, we get a thing called wages, whether it's an hourly wage or a salary or however, we're compensated for our time, correct? Well, at least you should be. And, and some of you wish you were compensated even greater than what you are. Most people always do. But at enough, I mean, at a point, how much is enough? How much is too much? How much is not enough? That's an individual conversation, isn't it? But with God, see, the wages of sin is death. So when you live in sin, when you sin, what comes with that? Death. Sin puts you in the carnal mind. To be carnally minded is death. But the free gift, which comes by the obedience of Christ, by His acts, by His works, what does it do for you? Book of, it brings you life, huh, Carrie? It makes you righteous. This is what we're talking about here. By one man's disobedience, you can read this in Romans, the uh, sixth chapter, I believe. By the disobedience of one man, sin entered the world, talking about Adam. And the man of sin, of course. Uh, if you go celestial, it's Lucifer, right? Satan, the devil. They're, 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 that's the sin, that's the origin of sin. Um, but by one man's disobedience, sin entered the world, but by one man's obedience, many shall be made righteous. So why do you get this free gift, Allie? Why does God want to give you a gift? Not because of how righteous you are, not because of everything you've done right or, or even wrong in your life. It's about Jesus. 
It's about his obedience, about what he's done for his father. And so when we're talking about knowing him beyond just a physical man, isn't he, in John 10, the door? Isn't he the good shepherd? Hmm? Did not John testify, this is the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. What other parables or whatever words, because that's what it is. Do you believe Jesus Christ is a word from God? You remember in John 14, Jesus said, you believe in God, believe in me also. The Pharisees, which were unrighteous, which Jesus told his disciples, except your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees, you'll not enter in to the kingdom of God. And Paul also said in Romans, and we referenced this last week, just a quick review, Romans 14 and 17, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. To enter into a kingdom that's full of righteousness, that's full of peace, and full of joy, your righteousness has to exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees and Sadducees who said they believed in God. Not only did they say they believed in God, they said we, we believe in Abraham and we believe in Moses. We have the law of God. We have the first five books of the Bible which are called the Pentateuch. We believe in the judges. We believe in the prophets. We believe all the way up to Malachi where Malachi prophesied that the uh, Christ would come. Then you have 400 silent years, and guess who shows up? First John the Baptist, six months before Jesus, huh? Prophesied by the angel Gabriel to Zechariah and Elizabeth, the cousin of Jesus. And he was sent of the Lord as a messenger to prepare the way of the Lord. But he was preparing the way for the, the Bible calls Jesus a branch. He said, I'm the vine. In Isaiah, he, he's called the branch. In um, John 15, he said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. My father's the husbandman. So we're all in this together. Now my point is, and we'll emphasize this more, are you just believing that Jesus was a man, or are you believing he's the word? And the word is God, the word was with God, and the word was God. Because if you believe he's the word of God, can you receive Jesus right now through this preaching? If it's the truth... If it's a lie, you're not going to receive Jesus. You've got to be able to discern the truth from the lie. But is he not the way, the truth, and the life? And no man can come unto the Father but by Jesus? He's all of these things and much more, isn't he? He said he's a, a counselor. He's the mighty God. He's the prince of peace. My point being to you is, is can you expand your consciousness to see Jesus at, as the word of God, which was from the beginning, was with God in the beginning, and was God in the beginning. And not only is he with God, was God, declares the Father, makes himself equal with the Father. Huh? They said, his disciples said, um, Lord, show us the Father that it may suffice us. Is that Thomas? Philip? And Jesus like, if you've seen me, you've seen my Father. So he's the Father, he's the Son. Is he the Spirit of truth that he said is with you but shall be in you? So are you seeing where I'm taking your thoughts, your consciousness and your perceptions beyond just a physical man? So that means Jesus is alive and well right now in the preaching of the Word as the Word of God and ready to save you right here, right now by the Word of God. 
Every second, every minute of the day. That makes Jesus quite a bit greater than you and I as physical people, doesn't it? And it's supposed to, because that's who he is. Now, I'll uh, read this over again. And Isaiah emphasized something here. He says, I have not spoken in secret in a dark place of the earth. I said not unto the seed of Jacob, ye seek me in vain. He said, I, the Lord, speak righteousness. I declare things that are right. So the Pharisees and Sadducees believed in God, but they would not believe in Jesus. So they believed in God as a spirit, and they believed him up to Genesis to Malachi, but that's it. Now they're waiting. They're waiting for the Messiah. They're waiting for that word of God to be something different than what they think it is at that point, Tim. But I'm here to tell you today that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He did come, give his life, was buried, was resurrected from the dead. And everything that Jesus did, is doing, or is going to do is enough. You don't have to look anywhere else for another. You don't have to look for another Messiah, another man, another Christ. Jesus is the anointed one. He is enough. What he's done is enough. You cannot by your works form righteousness. You find favor with God. Grace gives you favor with God. Jesus, it's his grace. Are you with me? For by grace are we saved through faith. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. If you could do it yourself, Carrie, by your works, by your righteousness, by your hands, or anything in this life, then you don't need Jesus. And everything Jesus has done is null and void. See, that's what we do. When we try to establish our righteousness, like Israel went about establishing their own righteousness, we're saying, I don't believe Jesus is enough. I don't believe what he did is enough. And we're going to get into this. But notice here it said, I, the Lord, speak righteousness. I declare things that are right. So if you have things that are right in you, and that comes from truth, doesn't it? The spirit of truth. It comes from God, the creator of all things. If you have things in you that are right, you're going to speak right. And I'm not talking about you cussing or, you know, um, determining who's going to win the Super Bowl or that boxing match tonight between Tommy Fury and Jake Paul. (laughs) We're not talking about that. That might benefit you, Rex, in Vegas. You know, if you go that way, if that's how you handle things like that. But that, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about Jim possessing the truth. Taking things God has given to you, receiving them. When you believe it, it's imputed unto you for righteousness. Then speak right, Jim. Speak the things that are right. Are you with me? So if we're still speaking things that are wrong, do we, <coughs> excuse me, do we still need truth and righteousness to be imputed unto us. You say, well, I don't always speak things that are right. Well, if you speak what God's given to you, then they're going to be right. And we understand if you speak things that are not right, that's where the grace of God covers you. And that's where God comes in and says, okay, what you're thinking and believing right now is not right. So it's unrighteous, like he talks about through the first 10 chapters, at least, if not the whole book of Romans. That's not right. 
Let me show you what's right. You can repent. Have, believe what I show you. Have righteousness imputed unto you. And now you'll declare things that are right. There's a simplicity to this, isn't there? But there's also a deception. There's also a seduction that works. So I'm going to share that with you in a minute. Go with me to Romans, the 10th chapter, if you would, please. Now, Paul starts his uh, chapter off talking about Israel, about his brethren, about Jews, about the genealogy or the, the um, how do I want to say this, the people that he came from. Paul was a Pharisee. He was an Israelite. He was born of the tribe of Benjamin, right? You can go read his pedigree. But he starts off saying, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. So is he praying for them that they might be saved because they're lost? You'll see what makes them lost. And you know what's awesome about being lost, Bryce? That's right, you can get found. Jesus come to seek and save that which was lost. And Paul knows that. So that's why he says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Now, when you're looking at this in a physical sense, you're just saying this is Israel that, that um, you know, lives in Jerusalem or around there. There's Israelites all over the world. And, and that's Israel. But Romans, the second chapter, tells us a Jew is not one outward, but is one inward. And the circumcision circumcision of the true Jew as of the heart, by the spirit, not of the letter in the flesh. So you see what makes you an Israelite in reality? What makes you, Julie, as Paul said, the Israel of God? It's not after a physical genealogy or ethnicity. It's spiritual. It's when your heart is circumcised by his spirit, by the spirit of Jesus Christ. But Paul says, my desire and prayer to God is that they might be saved. Verse 2, for I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. Now, what does that mean? They have a desire. They have a zeal. They're after God, but they don't know him. When he says according to knowledge, they don't know him. When they were face to face with Jesus, they would confess God, but they did not know the way, the truth, and the life, the only way to the Father. Are you with me? When it's talking about knowledge here, it's talking about the knowledge of the holy. It's talking about a good knowledge. In other words, for I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, they have a desire, or an, even an intent, but not according to knowledge, not right. It's not right, and here's why it's not right. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. So here's the deception of it. They go about to establish their own righteousness. Do you know how they did that? By God's word. By the Pentateuch. By the books of the judges. Pentateuch is the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, right? Well, let's just say the first 39 books, Genesis to Malachi. They would use those books, the law and the word of God, to try and keep 1613 commandments and say, I'm guiltless before you, God. But James says, if you break one aspect of the law, you're guilty of the whole law. 
if you don't commit adultery but you steal, you're guilty of the whole law. And the purpose of the law, we've said this many times, was a schoolmaster to lead thee to Christ. In simplicity and layman's terms, the law is good if a man uses it lawfully. And I'll show you how to use the, the law lawfully. The law gives you many commandments. Let's say starting with the Ten Commandments. Then tells you you have to keep these. And you get to a place where you realize, I cannot. <laughs> There's too many. I can't keep the law. And then God says, I knew that was true because there's only one Lamb of God. There's only one that's without spot. There's only one without blemish. That's my son. His name is Jesus. He is obedient. There's no sin in him. He cannot fail. He will not fail. I will not let him fail. So I'm going to send him. And here's my offer to you. I'll send my son He'll do all the work, even to the point of giving his life, shedding his blood, being crucified on the cross of Calvary and the, on Golgotha. All you got to do is believe that it's enough. You just believe. Huh? We're going to read it. That if thou shalt believe in thine heart and confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, thou shalt be saved. All they that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And what we're going to do today is take that salvation a little bit farther in believing that not only is Jesus a man that gave his life, which he did, that shed his blood, which he did, which is enough, but we're going to see the work of the Spirit in receiving him also, Julie, as the Word. See, God is a Spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Israel believed God was a Spirit, but they didn't believe Jesus is the Word. Even face to face with him. You say, how could you do that? Well, how about if I'm preaching a word, and that word is Jesus, and it comes to you, and it's in your face, it's in your ears, and you don't believe it. Are you doing the same thing as Israel? Huh? You ever catch thoughts in you that won't believe the word of God and perceive, wait a minute, that's unbelieving Israel. That's actually not me. Thank you, Jesus. All I got to do is hear the preached word, that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jennifer, you read it today. The preaching of the cross, of the gospel of Jesus Christ, is foolishness to them that believe not. But what is it, Jennifer, to them that believe? The power of God unto salvation. It's the power of God. So if you're a believer, preaching is not foolish. Paul only said that in the 21st verse, that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe because it was the Greek that called it foolishness. The Jew doesn't believe it, but to you and I that believe it's the power of God and the salvation. Isn't that awesome? I love the way God does that, Dathan, because it's the same word. And then he goes, I'm going to give you free will. Believe it or not. You don't believe it, I'm going to preach again. <laughs> you don't receive it, I'm going to do it again. And as long as you're going to keep coming and hearing the word of God, I'm going to keep preaching. That's me too. That's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to preach the gospel till I die. I hope the last breath that I take in my life, I'm preaching the gospel, honestly. That'll be, that'll be just fine with me. And that means whether I'm awake or asleep in a dream. I don't matter which one. But this is Romans, the 10th chapter, the third verse. We're talking about Israel. Paul's desire is that they would be saved. They have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. 
uh, he said, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves into the righteousness of God. Now real quick with this being ignorant, we talked about this, but even in the Old Testament, there was a clause. There, there was a forgiveness for doing things ignorantly. I believe it's Levit- Leviticus, the fifth chapter, it talks about it a lot. Don't quote me on that. Maybe one of you guys can find it and tell me if that's correct. For doing things ignorantly. And whether you were a lay person, if you were a priest, if you were a high priest, whoever you were, there was an offering for ignorance. Okay? And Paul said he was a blasphemer, but he did it ignorantly. So in, in unbelief, but I received forgiveness of sin. He said he once was a blasphemer, but he did it ignorantly in unbelief, and he received forgiveness. So whether Old Testament, Julie, or New Testament, there is an option. There is a way uh, to still be forgiven because of ignorance. But here's the thing. Who knows if you're doing it ignorantly or like the Bible says, whatsoever is not of faith is sin. All unrighteousness is sin. Who knows the difference? Sometimes we don't, do we? You could try to convince an Orthodox Jew the right things of God and that Jesus is Christ to your blue in the face and they will not believe you. Now Paul did when Jesus introduced himself to him, didn't he? A light from heaven. He converted. But without God, it's not going to happen. I'll just tell you plainly. So he said they, they went about to establish their own righteousness. This is being self-righteous. But you use the word of God to do it. So that's very deceptive. You with me? I watch parents do this all the time, get on their kids and tell them they got to do a certain thing because of this scripture right here. Huh? What if God's not requiring that of that child right there? Boy, you better stop sassing me. You better stop talking. You better start honoring me. You're going to die. What do you mean? If you honor your mother and father, your days will be long on earth. You see how we do things like that? And we use the scriptures and we change them to our own benefit and I'm right, you're wrong, establishing our own righteousness with the scriptures. (laughs) It's called manipulation and control, and I'm using the Word of God to do it. And then at times you say, well, I don't even care. The kid's going to listen to me. I brought him in. I'll take him out. (laughs) My mom used to tell me, I brought you into this world. Boy, I'll take you out. You've got to catch me. (laughs) At a certain point, she couldn't catch me no more. I was fast. So they went about establishing their own righteousness and and doing so, when you establish your own righteousness, you will not submit yourself to the righteousness of God. Now let me make that plain for you. If you're not submitting yourself to the righteousness of God, Bryce, you are not submitting yourself to Jesus. The only way to be saved, there is no name under heaven and earth whereby you must be saved. So how important is it to, to know Jesus, not be ignorant of God's righteousness, not be ignorant of Jesus, but to know him, Julie, is it eternal life? Where's that at, Julie? Like 17 and 3? <laughs> John 17 and 3. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. So again, you believe in God, believe in me also. You believe in Jesus as a man, I'm telling you here today, believe in, in him as the word. All the parables that he spoke about the sower that went forth to sow, about the wheat and the tares, about the widow woman that lost the coin, is that the word? When you receive that, 
and you have a knowledge of that, are you receiving Jesus? This is much greater than just thinking about it in the physical realm, isn't it? In other words, he's alive and well. He's the word of God right now, Bryce. That's the spirit of truth that can quicken you and, and renew your mind and bring strength to the inner man by his word, by Jesus, right now, right here, today. You just have to believe it. Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. You believe what I'm saying here today, and you believe it in righteousness, you very well could have God's righteousness imputed unto you, and you will not be ignorant of the righteousness of God. Now, <clears throat> getting a dry throat here. They're ignorant of God's righteousness. They go about establishing their own righteousness. They don't submit themselves to the righteousness of God. And now look, verse 4, this is why. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Did Jesus believe in the law like the Pharisees? Absolutely. He even said, do what they say, but don't do what they do, because they say and they don't do, because they're hypocrites. Jesus said and did. He was a hearer of the word and a doer, Julie. And that's what he desires of us. Don't just be a hearer, be a hearer and a doer. But it's really plain right here. Christ is the end of the law. So if they're trying to keep the law, Nathan, and they're doing everything they can to be righteous before the law, keeping the law, but they come to a place where they don't believe in Christ, did they not come to the end of the law? They didn't. They're still in the middle of it, Jennifer. They won't accept that this is the end of the law. What Jesus has done is enough. Jesus is the Christ. I don't have to look for another. I'll prove that to you right now. And some of this is a big mystery that you guys have read before and haven't understood, I guarantee you. Verse 5. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law. So there is a righteousness of the law. He said that a man which doeth those things shall live by them. You do them, there's a righteousness of the law. See it? Well, as we've taught before, the righteousness of grace, a righteousness by faith, exceeds the righteousness of the law in glory. There's a glory to keep in the law. There's a greater glory in the righteousness of it, uh, by faith in Jesus Christ. And here's where he says it, verse 6. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Now here's the bit of a mystery. I'm just going to read right through it for you. Say not in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from heaven, or who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ, bring up Christ from the dead. Well, now what does that mean? Who shall ascend into heaven? Who shall descend into the deep? What does that mean? Anybody? Daryl? He said he's not there. You know what it's saying? You're not believing that Jesus is enough. You're not believing that Jesus has done what he needs to do. You're looking for another. They're saying, do we got to go into heaven and bring him down? <clears throat> do we have to go into hell? Like in the book of Psalms, thou shalt not suffer the holy one to see corruption, neither shalt thou leave his soul in hell. Julie, where is this Christ? Is he in heaven or is he in hell? What must I do to be righteous? Because I don't believe what Jesus 
has done or who he is makes me righteous. That's the thought of the Jew. That's the thought of Israel. I still need to go get him up and bring him down from heaven so he can give his life as the Messiah. Huh? I need to save him from hell. I need to bring him up and let him be raised from the dead. I need to do this. No, you don't. What Jesus did is enough. He gave his life. He shed his blood. He is the Christ. Huh? We're going to get back to this. We'll come right back to verse 8. How many of you know a man named Ben Shapiro? I am not going to get political with you today. I'm going to say what people say. I'm not going to tell you what I say. Okay? Uh, ben Shapiro was born in uh, January 15, 1984. That makes him, what, 39 now? Married, two daughters, a son. Ben Shapiro is an Orthodox Jew. Now, there's a lot of people that I've heard. I'm not saying I'm saying this, Allie. A lot of people I've heard say that Ben says good things. He says things that are right. Ben Shapiro is an attorney. He graduated. He went to school in California, Los Angeles, and then he uh, graduated from the University of California and then from Harvard. Don't uh, quote me on the first one, but I know he graduated Harvard. He's an attorney. He's a... Uh, what else is he? He's a columnist. He's a political speaker. He's a businessman. And like I say, a lot of people swear by the things he says. They're right. They're right. Some people love him. Some people hate him. Just like anybody in the world, right? Some people believe what he says. Some people do not believe what he says. But I was really uh, taken back the other day. In a good way. I'm watching an interview, and an individual knew that Mr. Shapiro, very famous, you know when he goes and speaks somewhere, Michelle, at a college, what do you think he gets for an hour, two-hour event? He makes $100,000 to go and speak at universities, wherever, I mean, for that kind of money, wherever you want me to speak, all right? We'll go speak. This individual was talking to him and said, I know you're an Orthodox Jew, but do you at least believe that Jesus was a prophet? Because a lot of religions believe Jesus is a prophet. Uh, if you're a Muslim, they'll believe that Jesus was a good man and he's a prophet. Jehovah Witness believes that Jesus is a, a good man. I'm not sure if they believe he's a prophet, but I know a Mormon believes that Jesus is a good man and a prophet. But what do all of them have in common, including Judaism? He's not the Christ. In other words, he's not the one. So everything he does is null and void to me. That's why they're ignorant. Israel's ignorant of God's righteousness. And he said, well, do you at least believe that Jesus is a Christ? And I don't know how many of you have ever watched Ben Shapiro. But he can talk faster than just about anybody I've ever seen in my life. And I will have to give him credit. He, he's very sharp. He carries his words well. He speaks well. And he's very knowledgeable. Until it came to this interview. He said, do you at least believe that Jesus was a prophet? He said, no, I do not. He was a fraud that paid the ultimate price. He was a fraud that tried to seduce the people that paid the ultimate price for his deception. That's what he said, and I went, 
You can speak things right all you want to, Rex, in this physical realm. That does not mean that you have the righteousness of God. This is an individual that is ignorant of the righteousness of God, that, that is still looking to bring Christ down from heaven, that is still looking to bring Christ up from the dead. And I use this whole example to tell you, you do not have to do that. What Jesus did is enough. Now listen, I, all aside, God bless, may God bless Ben Shapiro. May God bless the Democrat Party and may God bless the Republican Party. God bless us all and bring us into unity. I don't want to talk about politics. I want to talk about righteousness, what's true. And I'm here to tell you today in my message and what I'm declaring to you is that Jesus is enough. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. But he has done in fulfilling his Father's will and being the word of God from heaven in the beginning. He's the Alpha and he's the Omega. He's the beginning and he's the ending Rex. He is the first and he is the last. And his works... And what he's done, if you will believe me here today, will give you grace and put you by faith in the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. And God, and God Ali, will look down at you and he will bypass your mistakes and he will bypass your problems. He will bypass your weakness as he does for me. And he'll say, you believe. And we're going to read it. He said, the word is nigh thee, and even in thy heart, that is the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt believe the Lord Jesus Christ, and that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Is your heart confessing, is your mouth confessing Jesus Christ here today, that he is the Messiah? that he is the Christ, the anointed one that was to come, that did come and is still coming by the preached word that is nigh thee even in thy mouth right now? Then you can count on it. God will impute his righteousness unto you and the salvation of the Lord is yours. And it will work in your life every single day. It's not a one-time thing. It'll work every single day. So nothing against anybody but the truth of the matter is, Jesus is the Christ. He is the Son of the living God. And what he has done is enough. Amen? I'm done here today. Any thoughts? Any quickenings? Any questions? Walker. Do it. Go ahead and read it. It says, Nevertheless, Death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the sinless. This is Romans 5.14. Of Adam's transgression. Who is the figure of him that was to come? But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. Wow, that's good, huh? Where does the grace come, Carrie? Moses brought the law, but grace and truth comes by Jesus Christ, huh? Where does the righteousness come, Walker? From Jesus. And you know what? It's a free gift. You don't have to pay anything. He's already gave his life. He's paid the price, Aunt Diane. He's already paid the price. He's done the work. You believe and by grace and through faith you're saved. You'll enter into the rest of God and you'll experience God 
greater and greater every single day. This is not just a belief system. It's not just a religion. Jesus preached, and here at Living, uh, Living Fellowship, we preach also know God for yourself. Don't just take my word for it. Know God for yourself. Let God talk to you. Huh? And lead you and guide you closer to him every single day of your life. God bless you folks. I appreciate you very much.